Welcome to Board Box Extras. Our goal is to share the best of blockchain gaming with our community, matching great players with great games that they'll love. To learn more about Boardbox and our partners, go to boardbox.io and grab a Boardbox NFT to join our private community of gamers. All right, let's click the start button and get to it. Welcome, guys. Uh, we're excited to, to host you uh, with the Boardbox team. Um, uh, on my end, I'm Board Elon, uh, co-founder of Boardbox. We love to introduce uh, people to the best and upcoming blockchain games. And uh, certainly, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about Resurgence today. Um, figured we can kick things off with uh, some quick introductions um, from you guys, and then hopefully uh, a bit of an overview of the game. And I always like to stress, um, you know, imagine people are kind of, you know, learning about you for the first time. So um, a one-on-one level kind of overview of, of what you're building would be a great start. And then we'd love to dive into some nitty gritty, you know, uh, details about the game. And then hopefully if we have time, uh, do a little Q&A at the end. Sounds cool. Sounds good. I think Blake's on, on, on now. Blake, you there? I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. Thrilled, thrilled to speak to you. Yeah. Let, let's uh, maybe we start with Blake and then, um, Russ and then Perfect. Ian. Yeah, so um, I am the chief strategy officer at Pluto Digital. Um, that is um, one of the companies that's come together in a JV to create Emergent Games, um, whose obviously first title is Resurgence. Um, my kind of background in, in, in NFTs, just to kind of paint the picture of, of, of the vision of where we're going with Resurgence and, and, and how, I've, how, how I've kind of been informed throughout the years is, Actually, in 2016 uh, to 2018, I was studying crypto art as an art historian. Um, and in 2018, I actually published the first, uh, first ever academic thesis on crypto art. So I've really been in the space for quite a long time and, and you know, been investing um, for a really long time and, you know, seen, seen the kind of trends move throughout the years on, on the NFT side. So uh, really excited to, to be here and, and tell you more about kind of our vision for the game. No, you're, you're a proper nerd. Uh, thanks for the, the background. <laughs> Russ, over to you. <laughs> Trying to be. Uh, so I, I guess I'll go, I'll go next. So I'm Ian Hamilton. I'm CEO at uh, Maze Theory and Emergent Games. Um, we're a team of about 60-ish now of um, games developers. Uh, we also do the marketing publishing uh, across the board. But um, we're sort of made up of like a pretty triple A team. And I can say that because, you know, I'm just the uh, annoying suit guy, whereas Russ is the really creative talent guy. But um, from places like PlayStation, Sumo, NCSoft and all sorts of things. And, and the guys have made some incredible, incredible games uh, over the years. Um, and then Maze Theory, the VR studio, um, which we set up in 2018, uh, we're working on the Peaky Blinders game. That um, at the moment we've made a couple of Doctor Who games. So yeah, it's a really and I think what's interesting about this whole Web three game space um, coming into it is realizing how few people have made great games. Um, last year seemed to be a lot of people saying, you know, uh, from the crypto world saying they can make games, which is really really hard. Um, the beauty of the relationship with the Pluto guys is we sort of have that combination of um, of knowledge of Web three and 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 great gaming expertise. Russ, 
Over to you. Thanks. So I'm a different kind of nerd. I'm um, so I'm Russ Harding. I'm the chief creative officer of uh, Maze Theory and Emergent Games. And I guess my backgrounds, I've been in the games industry for 25, maybe 28 years, quite a long time, uh, working at studios, uh, uh, PlayStation and uh, Lego, and spent, I suppose, a large amount of my career working on games that touch uh, new technology, so AR or VR or or just new plat- gaming platforms. Uh, so, so I'm really attracted to anything new, any any new challenges uh, in the game space. So it's what's drawn me into uh, Web3. Amazing. And so um, before I, I kind of jump into questions about the overall story of the game, which I definitely want to dive into, um, Russ, it feels like it'd be appropriate for you to do a, a bit of yes. an overview of the of the world uh, that people are going to experience, uh, which seems like a, a, a parallel version of our, of our existing world with maybe a lot of... Um, close um close to home <laughs> elements that we we should be aware of so yeah we'd love to hear your your kind of um perspective and then we'll we'll dive into the the nitty-gritty details yeah so uh uh resurgence is a, a free-to-play open world mmo rpg it's set a thousand years into our future after post-apocalyptical disaster um and it really places people uh in that in a new world, in a world that's reborn, uh, and it really allows people to uh, work and gather in communities and collaborate, uh, get to explore the world around them, find out what's useful and new in that world, um, craft, and it's kind of um, it's an opportunity to see uh, how the world recovers i suppose yeah i I love that because you know personally for me um i love the post-apocalyptic genre um but it has to be for me at least like tied with with hope and contrasted with hope i think about movies like um you know mad max or even the matrix like it's sort of like okay the bad stuff has already happened um now we're gonna we're gonna try to make it better um and this you know as i alluded to it, it definitely feels very close to home like maybe a thousand years from now, this is exactly what we're going to experience, right? Where we, we leave Earth because things are not in a good shape here and try to be out in space. And that sort of, we realize maybe down the road is, is very difficult and then go back to Earth. Um, but, it, you know, was this meant to be sort of like a, a warning? Like, yes, it's a game, but also are you guys trying to kind of send a message and a, and a forewarning to, uh, to us uh, as a species? I mean, uh, I... Yeah, you should uh, go for that. <laughs> um, definitely, yes. I mean, like, um, we're here to make amazing games and have fun and enjoyment, but for sure, the story is trying to shine light on what's going on with the planet. Um, we're about to announce it, like, I think in a couple of weeks actually, but um, we're going to give one percent of all of the revenues from all the NFTs and um potentially even from the token to funding climate solutions um as something we're going to do but yeah i mean i i love the story of resurgence because we could have just done a sci-fi story about going to some far-flung galaxy and you know um and yeah that's great but seeing some of the um concept visuals of what 
the Tower of London looks like or what the Golden Gate Bridge looks like a thousand years in the future when uh, and that recolonization process that will happen as people build these settlements and stuff that that that's more interesting to me I think um and and one of the reasons I loved the law that sort of Ross has created yeah it's definitely interesting to me as well it like the idea of like a parallel existence to our own is a, is a really interesting backdrop so I'm I'm looking forward to expl- exploring the the future version of earth um that you guys have laid out so um you know, we kind of talked a little bit about the, the, the story and the universe you're creating. Um, can you share a little bit about the gameplay and, and maybe like what games from, from the past that you guys have either worked on or have played yourself, um, you know, have, have led to sort of inspire um, resurgence? Um, you know, obviously every, I think every, every game is meant to be completely new and original, but, you know, there's also some, some beauty and kind of pulling from, from other stories and other places and, even if it's in the back of your mind while you're designing something completely new. So we'd love to, to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think we're all influenced um, to be fair. I think it, it's, it's really part of the creative process, but definitely that there were probably three titles that really bear influence on resurgence. So Valham, which is a survival uh, game set uh, against the Viking background Um if anyone's familiar with it, it has a great uh, survival element and community element to it, which we're deep, uh, quite influenced by or quite inspired by. Um, it also has some very interesting biomes, which is something we're exploring within Resurgence. These sort of these biomes that remain on Earth and what the vegetation and the habitation of those biomes will be like. I have to say, really, always been inspired by Fallout. It's always been one of my favourite series, but certainly the crafting elements of that are very much part of uh, the inspiration behind Resurgence. Um, and Hero Zero Dawn obviously has that world exploration and that discovery is a, is is very influential to sort of like um, another you know influence we put on. So I think those are the things that we put on. I, I, I suppose the world we're trying to create is a world which really encourages um, people to collaborate, to rebuild, to explore the world around them, develop maybe their own trades and specialisms. So maybe you'll become a great crafter. Maybe you'll become great at alchemy. Um, maybe there's a bit of science behind you. And I suppose all the time um, we really like to try and encourage safety in settlements, but there will be, I suppose, we're quite influenced by the conflict of um, of having rival uh, fractions. But we don't want the game to become one of those big PvP games where people are just constantly raiding and attacking each other. So we're trying to put in me- measures so that um encourages people to have safe communities. And can make the game their own. Yeah, I, I love the idea of an MMORPG allowing people to do different things and spend their time um, differently, depending on what you know how they like to play. It's funny you mentioned that though. Like I even think about a game like Age of Empires two. I was always the guy who really enjoyed building the cities um, and not so much attacking other people, and that's why I'm bad at that game. But it's fun <laughs> to, to build, yeah. right? For me, so so you know, in Resurgence, I might be 
somebody who's really focused more on crafting and developing versus uh, defending or, you know, kind of going after others, even though I'm sure that's an element of the game as, as well. Absolutely. But accessibility is, is something we're really interested in because we're, we're aware that people have, you know, for, uh, we're reaching out to different audiences. So we know that some people that are really into the NFT element and crypto space, some, some of them will want to approach the game in a certain way. Um, like you say, some people are really into crafting elements and the community elements, uh, and some will be just much more into writing. <laughs> this might be a hard question to answer, Russ. How do you think you're going to spend time in the game when it's done? <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. I keep thinking, what sort of player am I? I'm definitely more of a crafter, and I think I'm quite fascinated in the elements of being able to craft something that has value in the community that the community aspires to and that being an item that has real value and turning that into an nft that that that's what makes me feel quite excited but i'm quite geeky when it comes to um, making game bits and elements <laughs> how about you ian and, and blake how, are, how do you think you're going to spend time in this world i was just laughing thinking of russ having spent the next four years working on it or whatever it'll be or endless thinking like he'll probably be begging me to not be in the post-apocalyptic world at that point but um yeah I, I, he's gonna I, go I, play animal crossing after yeah, he's done exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, although okay. you know um no i think um for me the exciting thing will be um building up um these settlements um deciding on whether to collaborate with others or to or to not um you know i think and 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 the role playing element i think what 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 i think i love most is how much attention russ has spent thinking about the lore and the universe and the story and he's been working with tim lebon this fantastic sort of science fiction writer that's done various netflix shows and and um and i think that lore is just so 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 interesting and 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 it builds, and I think Ross, you could probably say a bit more on this, but you know, it's quite a clever device when you build a big universe because it means that in the future we can continue to tell stories, uh, and I always have a rationale behind it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I I think when you're building something as big as Resurgence, you need you need that massive scope of law, and um, I'm I mean I'm really fortunate. I mean the team we've got is pretty amazing and and they're living and breathing this law so every single detail every every time we approach art think about what an object looks like what the world will look like um we go back to the law so it's really important for us it's our inspiration point and quite frighteningly as well as working with tim lebon who's a, a sci-fi and horror writer we're also uh, working with science uh, science advisory um and we're finding a lot of the things that we're coming up with are very close to the truth. Um, and we're trying to embed that science in, in, in the world of resurgence. So it really will be a reflection of maybe what the world could be if we don't that, that's interesting. You're, so you're maybe make changes. You're checking the, the, the lore to make sure that it's somewhat plausible within physics and biology for the things that you're creating to exist in a thousand years. Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually, I was talking to Tim, it's a new experience for him as a writer. And also the way that we work is, a, you know, in games, it's very collaborative. 
Um, so it's really important for for us as a studio that everyone's involved in that narrative storytelling. So everyone from concept, start visualizing it and realizing it, adding to it, um, all the way through to even to it, um, all the way through to even marketing and, you know, the NFTs themselves. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, not to not to give any notes, but I certainly would love to see 1000 uh, meter high trees on uh, earth in a thousand years since they're not going to be obstructed by our pollution or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> I'll pretend scientists will tell you that, that, that can happen. <laughs> um, so, you know, Ian, you kind of alluded to um, the fact that uh, Russ is going to be working on this game for, for several years and obviously making a, a game of this scale does take a, a long time. And um, I think that a trend we've been seeing a lot of lately is you know, while players are eagerly awaiting for a game to be developed, um, there are, you know, many games and experiences and sort of releases that take place um, yeah. to keep people excited along the way. And so you guys have gone down the road of launching an alternate reality game um, to, you know, share more about the story and, and keep people excited and busy mm. uh, while they are waiting for the fuller experience. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like for those who haven't really heard about it? Um, and, and how do you see that that alternate reality game uh, potentially kind of bridging to the core game that eventually will be released. Yeah, I think you touched on a really good point. So, look, I think, um, you know, in in bygone year, I, I want to say years, but in the Web3 space, that doesn't really isn't really true. But people have come out and promised the world and said they'll be delivering AAA games in six months. And that's just not possible. Right. So um, but at the same time, we we recognize recognize that there's this natural tension within crypto of um of timing and um and so what we did is when we sat down and strategized this game we 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 thought about a way of developing this out in the open and create and created a roadmap that basically would allow us to deliver content almost constantly from announcement onwards so from about may we have been putting out our work and begin it and, and very a bit more recently launching the alternate reality game. Um, but you know, that, that, and I can talk about that a little bit more in a second, but if you see our roadmap, which is, which is public, if you, uh, you can see it on the, um, on our website, we are almost, we've got a hacker sim, um, gaming game launching at the end of the year. We're working with Kygon games who we work with on, um, the Lonely Assassins, they made Simulacra and Sarah is Missing. So that's going to be a game. I wouldn't even call that a mini game. That's that's that, that's reasonably sizable. And we'll start to see some NFT utility in that too. Um, and then we roll on to the single player, uh, single player survival game. And then we'll build that up to multiplayer. And then that evolves into um, the MMORPG. And that's actually quite a, a more more of a um, a normal trend now for that single player to multiplayer because it allows you to iterate and improve the game. Um, so so we felt that 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 idea of dropping games and content along the way is gonna is will marry up those two tensions between a crypto audience that wants to see stuff quickly and ensuring that there's time for real quality. So that's been the approach, and and to to be frank, the uh, um, the ARG is really a great way to tell a, a 
prologue story. Um, for those that don't know, uh, an alternate reality game is like a treasure hunt around the internet for people to discover as a community and start to uncover the stories. And so what Russ has done is he's come up a way, with a way through five characters of laying down the scenes of the end of the world, um, uh, told through this sto- um, the eyes of um, a conspiracist. I'm, I'm probably not revealing too much here, Russ, right? But a conspiracist, an anchor, and a couple of different characters. And you can, they're, they're live now, um, if you can find it on the internet. And the, the purpose is it's pretty hidden. Um, and we want people to go on and um, start to start to understand about the the prologue story. And yeah, that, that, that's really what that's about. But that's a, also a brilliant way of building up, up a community around the game as you grow. It certainly helps solve for the, the network effects problem. You know, if you go from zero to 60, 60 being like, we're releasing an MMORPG, you need everybody to show up at the same time to make that world yeah. interesting. Whereas here you build up the player base and it's a proven model, right? Like Grand Theft Auto has done it. Several other games have done it. Um, you play a single player mode, you love it, you get excited, you kind of want more stuff to do. And then uh, that that is delivered. So um, very, very excited to take that, that journey myself. Um, so... In terms of, um, you know, the, the, the world that you're building, you talked about crafting. That's something that I'm, I'm really excited about. Um, I always think about games like Zelda, where you just try to throw a bunch of stuff into a pot and hopefully it becomes something useful. It's a little bit of like a, a loot box within a game, but it's, it's fun and it's useful. Um, but, you know, in terms of like, you know, spending time finding items and, and, and you know, creating and these items... Um, there, there, of course, is the overlay of the, the crypto dynamics of marketplace dynamics, right? Like, you know, you're, you're finding things, you're trading them, you're selling them. Um, but how do you foresee like, the game experience being enhanced by the ability to hold these items on chain? Um, that's something that I feel like a lot of games are still exploring. Like, why, you know, why is this game basically benefiting from, from you know, assets being held, um, you know, within the game, but also that exist sort of outside of the game? Can you, can you talk your, about your perspective on that? Yeah, I think um, in general, and 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 Russmine can add to that. I think we really see um, NFTs and in-game items as social coordination tools and mechanisms that um, can really get you know a large group of people on the same page um, with uh, the alignment of incentives in ways that we haven't seen before, particularly you know in the gaming space, since that's where we are right now. Um, so in that way, I think we really want to um, you know allow ways in which, you know, the items in the games that we are crafting, you know, if there are, you know, multiple um, pieces, if there are ways that we can actually allow ownership to then propel um, kind of the lore and the storytelling forward. Um, So I think, you know, that's a really important thing, particularly in an MMO context, you know, when you need to have large groups of people working together and large groups of people coordinating, the idea that you can also all own the same asset or very complementary assets, uh, I think is really exciting to us in terms of advancing gameplay that way. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, one of the things that is most exciting for us making games is this, you know, idea of decentralized gaming and and it builds up. I know this is quite a strange example, but um, uh, one of our advisors, uh, a guy called Simon Rutter, who's like quite a senior uh, ex-PlayStation guy, says that the, the sort of decentralized gaming has been 
trying to go on for many years um you know there's there's all already a trend already has been a trend of players you know going on fortnite building up their profiles and um through playing um through playing the games and then trying to trade those on paypal and trying to do it and illegitimately and uh, right into you know and they just hear all these horror stories of people being defrauded and uh, when they're trying to sell those sell those accounts on and stuff like that and um you know when i was speaking to simon about it back in the early days he was like look this is just gonna remove any of the those issues so it was building on something that the players already wanted um i think it's gonna be i think what blake said about alignment of interests is is hugely valuable and like one of the core principles of emergent is that we, we love the idea of this alignment of interest between the developers of games and their audiences so that they can you know mutually benefit from that but i think that will empower that will propel the game forward and 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 the audience will be just so much more invested in it russ yeah, you should I, you should talk i'm yeah. oh, sorry um you should talk about your um uh, which is a very gamey example of blockchain, but I've not heard it before. You should talk about your trophy example as well. Yes, I suppose, uh, like with all, I suppose with all new tech and being a game developer, it's just wanting to explore more what the blockchain can bring to a player and thinking about having a, you know, being able to record a ledger behind an item that that gives a history of like how a sword's been used, whether that was the first to slay a particular beast in an area or how long it's been with its owner and what, uh, and just being able to record the value of, uh, of the story of that item is pretty interesting from a player perspective and from a community perspective as well. And yeah, I, I, so- I, sorry, I was going to say, I think there will be, mechanics within the blockchain that we haven't really touched on yet and that's what i'm hoping that we'll find within resurgence as well these things are really meaningful that have value yeah i i love this idea of uh, using blockchain for for proof of accomplishment and um having sort of this this history of events that happened um that are immutable right it's like there might be ten thousand people who have uh, a sword in a game but there's one in particular that was the first to kill this giant boss or do it really fast. And being able to uncover all those little nuggets of of history inside of a video game are going to be really interesting um, and actually contribute to the lore of the game um, in a way that perhaps the, you know, the developers didn't really, um, you know, bake into the original story. So yeah, yeah. um, that'll be a a very interesting sort of, uh, you know, experiment to to watch in real time. Um, And and to that point, you know, you, you talked about how players would have, a bigger stake in the game through ownership of the assets, but also, and this is more of like just the traditional, you know, gaming trend that's already happening, but um, there's a lot more openness, I think, in the game development process, especially in Web3 games, um, for for the community and, you know, future players to contribute to the lore, the story. Um, You started to see this, uh, especially in the last 10 years of, of, you know, traditional game development where um, games would be sort of built in, in public and feedback from players would uh, would ultimately you know end up in the final game, and that that creates a really powerful set of advocates, right? Like the you know if a player base feels like they contributed to a game's final design, um, that's that's really powerful. So 
mm-hmm. much are you guys kind of leaning on your community? Obviously, Russ is spending like 23 hours a day writing lore for uh, Resurgence. <laughs> but, like, Russ, how much are you letting other players contribute to, uh, you know, the stories? Are you kind of actively watching what's happening in the alternate reality game or on Discord or anything else? And yeah, you know, no, are, you, totally. are you letting that influence? So, um, part of the, you know, part of the, uh, why we were interested in an alternate reality game was exactly that, that it's a game that's live and a story that's live and happening on the internet now. And we are, we are absolutely watching what players are doing, what they're uncovering, and we're responding to it. And we're really listening to everything that's happening within the Discord community. And we're trying to engage with, you know, even con- conversation around concept art that we're posting up. So from I came from PlayStation, a world where we didn't disclose anything <laughs> until we, we released it. So for me, this is a really exciting uh, way to just uh, work with the community, that uh, bring them along the journey, give them ownership in the in the game, opposed to um, releasing a title, seeing what people think, sending out some patches. Quick, quick segue or quick uh, off <laughs> off topic <laughs> item, but. Uh... Do you think that, that that has been the case in traditional game publishing, mostly because of legal reasons or because of um, ego? <laughs> you, you know, like not, not taking ideas um, from the, the community. To be... F- Bit of both. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say... Bit of both, probably. I, I think, to be honest, I don't think it's really... I don't think it's so much legal reasons. I think there's a lot. there's always been a lot of fear of competition. Mm-hmm. Um Definitely, and I th- I think traditionally publishers look at you know they're they're you know in these big corporations they're they're, they're very statistically run run and a successful game has to be really successful nowadays it has huge volumes of people and huge returns um, and I think they get turned off of franchises very very quickly um, and that's not necessarily reflective of the fans or the community around them. And I think that's another real massive advantage of Web3. It's like, if the community own the game and keep investing and, and building and feel like they own that game, it doesn't need uh, a super powerful publisher over the top to keep dictating how long that game should live for. It really can live according to sort of like the community. And it can build up in a more organics slightly yeah. slow away right over time whereas i think in the the big xboxes and the playstations of this world they want to re- release sort of big blockbusters right and be big straight away and uh, and that's not really how th- th- these things are happening more and more yeah i, I would agree uh the, the long tail of games uh is probably going to be quite successful and yeah you don't need the uh 10 million person player base necessarily if each player is worth a bit more and is contributing more to each individual game that's that's my hypothesis at least um and i think that's better for players right um because what you continue to see in the traditional game space is that um you know 500 million dollars is spent on a on a blockbuster title and it does pretty well but not good enough and then the publisher kind of moves on and says okay that's a failure right and we're not gonna support this anymore um, but imagine if you spend uh 200 hours on that game mm-hmm. and you're like ah, oh, the publishers just can that and i think this that that's totally what russ is saying is that like this co-ownership means that 
there will be m- much greater player rights, which, much greater player rights, which is which is a fantastic thing, right? Yeah. So so to that point, to players having a bit more power and clout and hopefully uh, skin in the game, um, you know, as you're developing a game, uh, which is already very hard, um, what's been sort of like your favorite part uh, and your least favorite part <laughs> or hardest part um, when it when it you know when this process sort of requires you to not only kind of develop a game through the traditional means, but also balance um, the spotlight of, you know, a community that is heavily kind of emotionally and sometimes, I guess, financially invested in what you're doing. I love the start of any, any new game is just always very, very exciting. And I love midterm and the end. Um, but most of all, I suppose what's really exciting is looking at things. I suppose taking on a new technology like Web3 and building on, there's already, I suppose, a core expectation of how things work. The most exciting thing is when you start to discover new ways of utilizing it. That's what really excites me. I think the hardest thing is coming into a, um, a community. So usually when you take on new technology like AR or VR, it's been something that's come through the games in, or you've been introduced through the games industry. Um, and I think the hardest thing uh, personally is being suddenly coming into a new community and getting to understand the crypto community and what's exciting within uh, the, the space and getting to learn about cryptocurrencies. But fortunately we have Blake. <laughs> um, and that that's a great thing about Emergent is that it's not just great experienced people within uh, game development it's also you know great experienced people in uh, crypto and the blockchain i have to say you know from my perspective i've loved th- this this experience of living out in the world because it's quite freeing to be able to be sharing stuff along the way and um, we're pretty lucky that you know we're a pretty well-funded company and therefore like we're not even we're not trying to treat um this early phase as oh we've got to launch nfts and we've got to we've got to raise money from those nfts we have this game first philosophy which is about belief that if we make an amazing game it will be enjoyable and therefore it will make money you know and um we we're we're doing that with the first nft launch we decided to um do a very short 1000 allow list for that and mint those for free uh, albeit it's invite only to get them so it's super difficult to get them but the amate the great thing about that is we can the, those early people that are there on that journey with us will see that rise up from nothing to something probably quite quite special uh, and they'll never be dissatisfied by that so um, i'm enjoying all those sort of um, experiments and new mechanics and ways of playing with the uh with the economy in that way it's great yeah i I appreciate that you guys took that approach um i think it's really important especially for for web3 games to kind of filter their initial audience and community um you you certainly might attract people who are you know dgens and flippers and investors who also do like video games but um you don't necessarily want your initial cohort of players to be full of those individuals who are treating your game mm-hmm. as if it's just another investment. Um, you know, we definitely had a similar perspective with, with board box and 
sort of actively turned away uh, people who were flippers. And um, exactly. when it comes to the cryo tags, you know, I I expect that most of the people that um, do end up minting them uh, will 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 hold them forever and, exactly. try and you know value yeah. them. I mean, that's probably like a nice segue to talk about about that because we 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 want that to happen completely too we we expect very few to get traded um we've sort of built in this utility that if you get one of those you then get the option for everything that follows um and yeah we 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 i mean we've seen things you know in 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 research in this the space in the sector and there's so many examples of people putting out their foot their they're NFTs and they're in at two or three ETH and they launch and yeah, sure, they go up and then they go crash down and people are going to be disappointed by that. And we don't want that to be ever part of the experience of resurgence. We just want to see it sort of go up from something special and new. And, and that's really um, was at the heart of our thinking on that. Yeah. Certainly. And I think too. Okay. Um, I was just I was just gonna say you know I think uh, again to add to Ian's point you know we really we really wanted to to run far away from this as a a fundraising mechanism and really again um, understand NFTs and design this collection to be a community building tool Um, again you know bringing people together through ownership and, and seeing how far we can really push that thesis around you know, when you're given something, when you're selected um, as part of this initial community, um, again, you know, it's it's really, um, you know, it's closer to your heart and you, you have maybe even more of an understanding um, of how important it is to hold on to it as opposed to, you know, feeling like, you know, if you spent and dropped a couple ETH on something that you feel like the game is really indebted to you or the project that you've spent that money on is indebted to you. And we really... Um, we really don't want to necessarily set up those expectations with the community and really have it be um, an equal playing field across um, across the board. Yes, and, and certainly when it comes to video games, you know, you already have um, a cohort of people who are not shy about expressing their feelings about um, a game uh, publicly. Uh, certainly in like, you know, traditional gaming world, uh, Reddit is, is rife with people's opinions on electronic arts and Activision and, and all the others. Um, yeah you know, let alone somebody spends a thousand dollars or more um, to participate in your game. So definitely appreciate your approach. And, you know, to that point, you're kind of starting with this core group of a thousand people who are going to be your, your fanboys and fangirls, uh, hopefully, and, you know, amplify the, the, the game as it gets bigger and bigger. One question I've been thinking a lot about, and I'm curious to get, you know, your, your takes on it is how big does this game need to be in terms of a player base? Because I, I don't necessarily think, um, you know, if you if you're a game uh, in building on chain that you need to have like Fortnite level numbers and, you know, tens of millions of people playing every day. I think as a game designer, like maybe that sounds appealing, but at the same time, at the same time, that might be bad for the game. So have you thought about like, what is what is that perfect number of people who are participating in this world? And, And, you know, both from like a business standpoint, like what is sustainable and healthy and also from a gameplay standpoint. Russ, you should probably talk about the um, about sort of from the game perspective. I mean, I hope that one day this game does have millions of players. Um, certainly, the way we're going to impro- uh, approach, you know, we we're pretty early in our thinking on token economics. 
Um, we're a bit more developed in how we're going to use NFTs in the game. I don't think it's going to be um, calling up to the chain all the time. I just don't think that's going to be sustainable for us. Um, so, you know, yes, we will have big ambitions about the numbers, but I mean, you know, we're going to have to build it in a way that will be, that will build up. Um, Russ, do you want to talk about how, how that, how you see that working from a creative point of view, just not, not just yeah, from an economy I mean, point of view? The, I, I, the great thing about this style of MMO is you don't have to have millions of players all at once to have a successful MMO. You know, it, you can build up in your thousands or hundreds of thousands. But um, essentially, each of the uh, worlds is sharded. So we will have a maximum amount of players that can be within one space. And then we can we can grow that space according to demand. But we're not, you know, we're not reliant on having 100 million people playing at once. Um, we're really reliant on people building their own communities so that, that, that those communities can come together and populate those spaces, build those villages and, and work together. But I, I agree with uh, I, I agree with, with you in the sense that I don't think these games have to be as big as they used to be at all. And I think that's why you'll see Web3 building on these MMO models um, and when we say models, we don't imagine like MMOs traditionally you have to spend a year but getting really great skills at. Um, and we're much more influenced by the shorter uh, gameplay experiences so that people get something out of the game very quickly. Um, but as Ian said, we have really big ambitions. And um, I don't believe that the complexities of crypto or blockchain should get in the way of the player experience at all. And I think that's something we'll be really aiming for is like really accessible, really easy for players from all different experiences of, um, of, of gameplay will be able to come into the game and they'll be able to engage with NFT elements and the crypto elements when they feel that they're either able to or that's what they're interested in. But if you're not like all free to play games, there's nothing to stop you coming into this world progressing um and enjoying it and that that fundamentally is, needs to happen to keep the needs to happen to keep these worlds alive i think yeah no, I, I appreciate that as a player i mean i'm somebody who always shied away from games like world of warcraft because i just felt like you know jumping into something like that after people have been playing for years i'm so i'm so behind i'm not going to be able to catch up um, I don't want to go in the gray market and, and buy up a bunch of, uh, you know, powerful uh, accounts. And so I kind of shied away from it. So I, I definitely appreciate that you're thinking about, you know, how can players of all levels uh, feel like they can, you know, contribute to the world, play, um, not necessarily spend more time than they have, um, but also, you know, provide kind of the more hardcore players um, a path to to really, you know, build up their their uh, their characters or their you know their accounts and and so yeah reaching reaching players of all types I think is is an important um, consideration um, so you know as we kind of are, are reaching the the end of the the conversation really has been great to talk to you all and and learn more about resurgence I'm I'm very excited to explore this world uh, when when you're ready to share it um, 
would love to, to take some questions from everybody in the audience. Um, if anybody wants to request, please do. Um, and while we're, we're waiting for any uh, hands to be raised, um, Ian and Blake, perhaps, um, do you want to touch on some upcoming important milestones that are, you know, in the next sort of 30 to, to 90 days that people should um, keep an eye on and also just remind people where they can learn more about resurgence if they um, haven't heard about it yet? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I can um, do that. So next Wednesday is going to be a massive day for us. That's our free mint of the uh, Gen Zero cryotag. Um, I think we're going to be putting out some posts in the next few days around more around the utility. But again, you can find some of that stuff on the website. But yeah, that's going to be an amazing day to get that out in the, in the world and see uh, people's reaction to that. And just, um, just to add you into that, that's, that's August. Uh, it's August. I just want to get the right date. August 24th. 24th. Yeah, August 24th. Because <laughs> yeah, when you say Wednesday, maybe they're listening. Who knows what day they'll be, they'll be listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know point. it'll be recorded. Um, and on top of that, just um, Ian, to add that the Mint will actually be open for 72 hours. So we'll, we're giving people on the allow list ample time um, to um, you know, sit down on their computers, even if they're traveling or wherever they are, to, to make sure that um, we give everyone, because really everyone has been really thoughtfully kind of added to the list. So uh, give everyone um, time to do it, because we, we really want everyone that we've added to, to participate. So just to add that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It. Good. That's a good one. The other thing I suppose is like, if people are on this and thinking, the allow list full up, this is really frustrating, I really want to get in on this. We are going to be um, we are going to be giving these away as sort of rewards within the ARG. So if you play the ARG, um, there's a chance that you there's I think uh, um, nearly a hundred of them are going to be available to the community through that mechanic too. Um, on the ARG, uh, whilst we've launched the first uh, mini drop, I believe Russ in three weeks time. We've got another uh, part two. Um, so if you join the Discord, there's an uh, the end discussion group and there's a end no spoilers group. And so if you go on the Discord, you can be part of that. And yeah, you can win win the cryo tags in there. Um, and I, beyond that, I, I'm trying to think, Russ, is there anything else that we've got coming up in the next couple of months? I mean, there's always content drops and, and things like that, but anything of particular note? Um, I, th I think the main the main thing is to get involved with the ARG. Definitely, mm. uh, it's a good way of getting to learn learn about the world. Um, and we'll be working towards uh, the Hackersim, which will be early next year. Um, and I think there will be some other. Um... There's about seven seven or eight content drops. And um, the great thing about an ARG is, even if you come come to it right at the end you can still play it from the beginning right and you know it's more of a spider's web so um yeah i agree that's a good good place to start i love it and i love that you established that it's all over the internet because um people will just assume any kind of interaction they have with you now uh on on twitter or, or elsewhere even in this room will have some sort of a, a clue <laughs> that is part of the, the, da the, the danger is they'll blame us for any uh, climate change disaster uh, <laughs> article. I'd be like, 
oh, it's part of the ARG. It's like, oh, no, that one's not ours. That's real, I'm afraid. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, not, not to go off the rails too much, but I, I do think your your game is going to be basically a simulation we're running um, <laughs> that uh, we, we will know what to oh, do no. in the next hundred years um, to avoid the, the, the resurgence from, from coming true. Um, but it, so you, you're doing quite a service for us, uh, allowing us to have fun while we're avoiding calamity. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, well, amazing. Um, Blake, Russ, Ian, this is a great conversation. Um, it will be recorded or it is being recorded as well. So people can check it out later. Um, and um, thank you so much for the time. Uh, genuinely really excited to, to play inside of the world that, that you're building. Um, thank you for the partnership. And um, yeah, please, by all means, everyone who is listening, check out Resurgence Game uh, on Twitter. Uh, and of course, follow all the links in, in there. Um, in their link tree and uh, of course give Russ, uh, Blake and Ian a follow so thanks all uh, have a great no, no, it's been nice. and, and honestly we're super excited to do the partnership with you and keep that going over the life cycle of the game um, Absolutely. and I have to say this is the best work, best hosted Twitter spaces I've done, the music at the, at the beginning killed it so I was just I knew it was going to be good from that moment of hearing the music. <laughs> you know, it's just add a little bit of uh, drama to. Do you always do it? Do you always do it every time? Do you always have? Look, a bit of I'm music not going to tell you that you're you're not special. Um, <laughs> I, I, I here, I, I I do. I always love put, to put music in the beginning of a Twitter space, but I uh, I always uh, am careful to select the right song, and I do some work there. Uh, and I think it really sets the mood. So oh, we're going to have to have a chat to the team and get that in ours from next Wednesday too. So yeah, it's brilliant. Anyway, <laughs> really good to talk away. to you. Really good to talk to you. Cheers, fella. Yeah, you as well. Thank you Bye. so much. Great. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this board box extra. Please note that none of what was discussed in this episode today should be taken as financial or investment advice. We are excited to share this content and encourage everyone to do their own research. Looking to go deeper, get more access? Join us at boardbox.io and grab a Boardbox NFT to join our private community of gamers.